0: Jamie Parker, thank you very much for joining us on Drinking Is Not A Sport.
1: It's my pleasure, thank you.
0: Okay, well, look, um, I just want to start with the the idea of Balmain. Balmain's got a, a very strong drinking culture. Have you um, had any experience of it yourself?
1: Well, yeah, that's something that I've seen both historically and even currently. When my parents moved to Balmain in the 1960s, uh, my father, he was a sailor, a ship worker. He worked on engines in ships and had his first job in Balmain shipyard. And if you look at the history of Balmain, it was a heavy drinking alcohol culture as a working class community. And as time has evolved and the community has changed, there still is a big focus on uh, pubs. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of that focus is on alcohol. Through my role in local government, I mean, I've seen a lot of issues. And it becomes most obvious in the local government perspective through complaints from people. I mean, I lived for many years on Darling Street, which was in between... Uh, one pub that closed at midnight and one pub that closed later. So people would get out of that pub at midnight and roll up the street in order to go to the pub that closed at three o'clock. And council has had a lot to do with pubs uh, enforcing compliance, which basically means making sure that those pubs uh, are serving alcohol in a responsible way so that they don't impact on the community with fights and violence and, and uh, general uh, you know, antisocial behaviour very late at night, in particular, of course, on Friday and Saturday nights. And uh, we work closely as a council and also as a member of parliament with the local police. And it's a really big issue for them. And so we've seen in some pubs in our local community uh, uh, lockouts at midnight. So it means that if you're in the pub, you can stay there till after midnight, but no one is allowed access after midnight. These are the types of actions that councils with police have had to take because of some responsible, not only patrons, but also some uh, pub owners that need to ensure they comply with the law, in particular responsible service of alcohol, not serving people who are obviously under the influence of alcohol. And that's a really big challenge and something that uh, a lot of work still needs to be done on.
0: So what do you see are the the main differences between the old old school uh, drinking culture and working class drinking culture of Balmain and the current drinking culture?
1: Well, the old school culture was when you left work, after a day at work, you went to the pub. And that's where you socialise. It was a very masculine kind of activity. That's where you socialise with friends. Uh, that's where, you, for men in particular, where you expressed your feelings, where you built a comradeship amongst each other. But for a lot of people, uh, that became a problem. And it led to problem drinking. And with alcohol and excessive consumption of alcohol being almost a rite of passage, and it was a, a, such a regular occurrence, it led to really significant alcoholism in many cases so it was very much related to the male culture and was a was a a key key component of the type of socializing that men ended into now of course we see a different type of approach where we see a lot more people uh who aren't employed like on the waterfront for example who might be involved in office jobs and they go to the, the pub after work and they have a drink and that's a lot less kind of masculine but what we're seeing is uh, a lot of people, in particular young people, wanting to get smashed and seeing alcohol as a way to kind of uh, inebriate themselves rather than a a social kind of get-together. And that's one of the key problems, which is how do we address this culture where Mm -hmm. alcohol is not just an integral part of, uh, you know, seeing friends and meeting people, but also the desire to really get as drunk as possible is is seen as almost uh, the thing to do. And we see that as well when, you know, you, you see it in popular culture, where people say, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I was smashed, I was gone. And people laugh and giggle about someone's behaviour when they're obviously inebriated. What we need to be looking at is that kind of behaviour, as dangerous behaviour, as damaging themselves and also causing problems for society at whole.
0: Do you think it's, um, it's a matter of public education, say, so the way that um, drink driving has become um, demonised?
1: Well, there's probably two approaches. One, there's a the broader cultural problem, which is a difficult issue to challenge. Uh, where people see uh, as drinking alcohol, for example, uh, if you win a game of football or if there's a success, you always see people chugging down champagne or spraying the alcohol around. Um, That alcohol is seen as a key component of enjoying oneself, that if you don't drink, then you're not having a good time. And that is a challenge culturally that we need to address, but also really strict compliance and enforcement of the law. And I always talk about responsible service of alcohol, because I'm sure all of us have been in the pub and a club and seen someone that's obviously had too much to drink, that person should not be served with alcohol. And that is where we as a community, uh, as local people uh, in our own communities, need to be able to say to friends that we're with, look, you've had enough, uh, or to ensure through the law that we enforce responsible service of alcohol to make sure that the pub owner or the the person in the bar serving the alcohol uh, realises that there's very serious consequences for serving alcohol to people that are drunk.
0: There was some interesting research I was um, reading about the other day. Um, it was conducted in England, and it's where they were giving um, uh, young people alcohol, and they had some were given placebo, and some were given alcohol, and even the ones that were um, given a placebo acted in, in a drunken way, suggesting it's the, the, there's a belief about how you're supposed to act when you drink. I think that might be a big part of it as well.
1: Yeah, and I do I do hear um, what people say, and I mean I work a lot with. Uh, youth groups and community groups in, in in my area, that alcohol is seen as a way to you know break down barriers and be more open, and for people to be able to be more friendly and break and you know and, and to actually what they call have a good time. I think one of the challenges is what we need to recognise is that you know while moderate consumption of alcohol isn't necessarily a negative thing, the important thing to remember is that enjoying time with friends, spending time with friends doesn't have to be. Um, Uh, involving alcohol and that the type of behavior that people express with alcohol can sometimes be seen as funny but it sometimes can also be seen as uh, a very dangerous kind of behavior and we know that uh, through our own research through councils and through the research that we've done locally is that one of the major things that deters people from going out late at night is the threat that they feel of people who are under the influence of alcohol especially young men in groups and that actually damages our late night economies and we need to recognise that by growing a really positive, vibrant, late-night economy is good for businesses, good for the community, and alcohol abuse really undermines that.
0: One of the main legislative uh, responses has been um, the taxing of alcohol to increase the price of alcohol to, to combat this. But um, when you see how cheap alcohol is in so many countries in Europe, and it doesn't seem to relate to alcohol-fuelled violence, do you think uh, that that's a kind of good legislative uh, response?
1: Well, we know there's a relationship between the price of a product and its demand. Uh, So, when it comes to taxing alcohol, uh, there clearly is some social benefit when it comes to reducing the consumption of alcohol, and also making sure that revenue that's spent is spent in the right way. Uh, I'm a big advocate of making sure that alcohol isn't incredibly cheap, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I'm so concerned about this move from Aldi, which is a a large supermarket chain to introduce cut-price alcohol. Uh, because it does have an effect on uh, consumption. But the key point is making sure that revenue that's generated from things like taxes on alcohol are actually put towards education campaigns to try and change the culture, which says that being drunk is funny and isn't, it, you know, a great positive experience. Uh, to ensure that people see alcohol as something which is part of everyday life, but is something which needs to, be, to ensure that a nice drink is a positive experience, but getting drunk and getting smashed is not um, socially acceptable.
0: So, do you see the new state government as uh, taking any kind of um, action in education campaigns of this sort?
1: Um, well, not at the moment. There is a, a new bill that's been introduced into the house last week, which uh, is their three strikes policy. Which is uh, it's not really three strikes. It's a kind. It's it's a kind of three strikes policy. But basically, if hotels. Uh, uh, breach the law in a significant or what's called defined as a serious way three times they can have their license withdrawn. Clubs aren't subject to this these provisions, which are obviously a concern because registered clubs are often uh, the main provider of the main service provider for alcohol consumption in the community. I mean it's a step in the right direction, but one of the things that we've heard from the emergency services personnel, from doctors, from police is they want more serious action taken. And you may have heard last year in particular the Last Drinks campaign that was put together by those organisations uh, calling for reductions in the opening hours of licensed venues, uh, more enforcement of the law. They're the types of things that we're seeing that the government needs to be really uh, strongly responding to in a positive way.
0: But um, surely education is a big part of it as well because you can't, I mean, no matter how much cracking down you're going to do, there's people who are going to find, you know, they can just buy a bottle of vodka and um, just go crazy with it.
1: Yeah, that's right. Education, to me, is the most significant uh, point in this issue. Uh, But, you know, you have to take a a multi-pronged kind of strategy. You've got to make sure that licensed venues aren't selling alcohol to people that are inebriated. You've got to make sure that there are very strong sanctions if people do. And then coupled with that needs to be culture-changing education campaigns. And we've seen that with things like domestic violence, with sports stars coming out saying, uh, you know, you don't... uh, obviously violence against women is unacceptable. I think those types of campaign where we see people uh, who are high profile in our community, especially that have uh, a kind of resonance among young people, uh, talk about alcohol and talk about how alcohol is acceptable and how getting drunk isn't funny, um, how being absolutely smashed and inebriated isn't a laugh, that actually it has serious health consequences and can have very negative social consequences.
0: Yeah. Do you think um, we've kind of almost got a lost generation and um, that this kind of education can can only sort of come up from uh, those who are currently in high school?
1: Well, I, it has definitely been something that the government hasn't effectively focused on. Uh, but I don't want to put all the blame on government. I mean, it's important as well that as a community, as parents, as people involved in our local community, that we make sure that we set good role models for our, for, for young people as well. So there definitely is a challenge that there has not been enough work done in the last few years, but there's now a really important opportunity for us to move on it. And I'm really pleased that, as I mentioned before, emergency services personnel, um, ambulance officers, emergency service staff in hospitals and police have really taken this issue up. And this is where politicians need to follow up. And also the broader community needs to start making it absolutely clear that, you know uh, being absolutely drunk and smashed is, 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 is as I've mentioned before, is not funny, it's not a laugh, it has very serious implications.
0: Uh, how's that being channeled the um, uh, what the the emergency workers and doctors and um, hospital workers, their concerns? how How is that being channeled?
1: well this this was this was an alliance of different unions. Um, it was a police association, ambulance officers and so on who are sick and tired of having their members assaulted by people that are under the influence of alcohol that are disturbed by the fact, on uh, recent data, almost one in four uh, admissions into hospital of people between 15 and 25 is alcohol-related, of seeing, you know, the bloodied uh, young men, mostly, who turn up in hospitals after having fights on Friday and Saturday night, and they wanted to see a very serious crackdown, in particular after the positive results in Newcastle, where pubs and clubs were closed at an earlier time. Both Labour and the Coalition have not supported those recommendations from that organisation. We Greens have supported some, but believe that there needs to be, as the government has stated, more enforcement of RSA before further steps are taken. But the clock is ticking. And we know that significant changes, the evidence is clear, you can really dramatically reduce assaults and you can dramatically reduce uh, violence by reducing opening hours of uh, licensed clubs and pubs. Uh, but we know also that we want to have a very strong late-night economy, so that's a very strong step to take. But there needs to be incredibly strong and persistent enforcement of current RSA rules to make sure that we're getting the balance right.
0: So overall, how, do you, how bad do you think the problem is in Balmain? I mean, I live here, and I, I've i got to say it's like being in the country sometimes. It's so quiet. Um, is well, it just because I'm that number of streets away from Darling Street and the uh, the drinking yes, places?
1: And I suspect you're not out the front of the Unity Hall Hotel at, at midnight. Uh, Look, it's it's a real problem, and we've looked at the crime and assault stats in particular from Balmain, and Balmain has been a real problem last year, there was a a very significant amount of assaults on Darling Street. And so in response to that, the council and the police worked to uh, move a taxi stand. Also we've enforced uh, a voluntary lockout from that hotel in particular, Uh, and behind the scenes there's a lot of work that's been going on for alcohol-free zones on streets. Um, as I mentioned, voluntary lockouts, and council even a few years ago worked to the extent of getting private investigators to sit outside some pubs and clubs to, to uh, record all of the violent assaults, the problems that have been happening in order to take action in the court uh, to threaten in fact the licenses of some of these pubs to make sure they comply with their management plans on how they deal with patrons leaving and entering the premises and how they manage the service of alcohol. So like most things, a great deal of people don't see them unless they're coming into contact with that kind of antisocial behavior, which is often a really distressing, uh, very damaging experience.
0: And of course, the other side of it is is that um, some of these outlets are making so much money out of alcohol, it's um, it's in their interest to just keep it up.
1: Well, it is. And it's also in their interest to to serve alcohol in particular to people that are gambling, which is a significant problem. We know the vast majority of revenue from, for example, licensed clubs, uh, over 80% of most clubs' revenue comes from poker machines. And while alcohol is a relatively small component, if you like, from the overall sales, what it does do is, uh, can lead to some really significant concerns about people gambling under the influence of alcohol, but also it brings people into the venue. So it's really important that we don't just look at the profit motive, That we look at the social impact and the impact on people's own health as well and that's why this new bill that's being introduced will obviously be passed by this new government but that should just be the beginning and if we don't see some real changes in terms of antisocial behavior and um, the provision of alcohol which allows for binge drinking then more steps need to be taken
0: yeah but i also think uh something something that we've noticed not so much myself i've got a daughter but uh, paul who's my partner in this he's uh, got a son who's played afl and the idea that you um, you know the best the the best player of the match um, gets a free slab on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, that's a classic. That's it's a
0: classic uh, example of the sporting culture and it you know being um, so tied in with drinking.
1: That's right, and that's one of the reasons why every time you know you see a finalist or a winner, they're all drinking the beer. It's sh- and it relates directly that alcohol equals celebration and enjoyment. And while it does have that for many people, we that promoting that and uh, enforcing that, if you like, especially around young people, that's not the type of message you want to send. And that's where this government, I think, and also the federal government need to tackle head on this issue and make it clear to people that alcohol, that's sculling alcohol and, you know, downing bottles of champagne, which people often see um, when there's a celebration of victory, that that isn't the type of message we want to be sending to young people. And the message we want to send is that alcohol in moderation is something that can be enjoyed by everybody, Uh, But the free slab of beer or, you know, the sculling of the champagne, that that isn't the type of behaviour that is acceptable. It's not funny. It has health impacts and it has pretty significant society-wide impacts as well.
0: Um, One of my daughter's boyfriends a couple of years ago was a a rugger bugger. And I was amazed that um, he would go on um, club tours and the older members of the club, you know, ex-players who are now in their 40s and 50s, would be paying some of the um, younger players to get totally sloshed, yeah, they give them money to, yeah, to embarrass themselves, you know.
1: Well, and that goes to the culture of alcohol, which says that you know being drunk or seeing someone drunk is a really funny and worthwhile thing to see. In fact, when they are drunk, there we know that there is impacts on people's physical health, on brain function, and potentially long-term impact from heavy binge drinking. And this is exactly the type of behaviour that shouldn't be supported, and that's why. We need to have some of our sports stars and some of these pubs and clubs to talk about publicly through an education campaign about why alcohol is something that can be enjoyed in moderation but why binge drinking and getting smashed is absolutely the wrong message that people should be having from our sporting clubs.
0: Well, I think that's about it, Jamie. (laughs) Unless there was anything else you wanted to add?
1: No, but I look forward to seeing how this new legislation goes and I'll be working to make sure that this government and through this term actually looks really seriously at how we can start turning the tide on the culture of alcohol in our community. And I really appreciate the work that you've been doing to try to highlight it and wish you the best of luck in the future.
0: Great. Thank you very much for that, Jamie.
1: My pleasure.